1: Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Oh my god, hey you guys, it's episode 117 of Please Advise. We brought back one of your favorite guests, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people, Leslie Grossman. <laughs> Hi girl, how are you? I'm well,
2: it's so good to be here. So you
1: just told me you know Steve from Full House? I know Scott Wanger very well. Oh my god, that's amazing. Our, well, go ahead. Well, he
2: happens to also now be a dad at my daughter's school.
1: Okay. And so
2: my daughter is a huge Full House fan. Oh, and I let her watch some Fuller House. It's a little inappropriate.
1: It's a little racy. It's a little racy. Isn't it nuts that Steph Stephanie's Baron. <laughs> well, what an odd plot turn that Stephanie is barren. It's really
2: intense. So I don't really let her watch Fuller House, but when she sees him at school, I mean, she gets stars in her eyes.
1: Hi, Scott.
2: Is he still cute? He's
1: the nicest. Oh, he's on now. Yeah, he's
2: still on. He is the nicest, most normal, lovely person. I did a show called What I Like About You. Mm-hmm. I was an actor on that show. Yes, and you he were. he was the writer's assistant.
1: No way. Yes.
2: And he is a really smart person who went to Harvard mm-hmm. and he decided he was going to get an education and then become a writer. And Wasn't he the
1: voice of Aladdin as he well? Was.
2: He was a kid actor, right? And a voice yeah. of Aladdin. He went to Harvard, started on that show as a writer's assistant, mm-hmm. and, then, and ha- is now an executive producer on a lot of
1: big shows so my friend Jason Shapiro gave me that because he worked with um, Scott's wife yes I love his wife too on a show and so he hasn't I don't think he's officially met him but he, Jason and I I don't know if you've noticed I'm wearing a full house sweatshirt I did. it says have mercy on it baby <laughs> and then it says cut it out down the bottom in little hieroglyphics it's fabulous um, it but I um, I bought this sweatshirt for my friend Jason Shapiro because one I love him and we both live full house but two uh-huh. I pranked him so fucking <laughs> hard, Leslie. The night of the election, <laughs> I called him drunk at 3 o'clock oh, in the morning no. and told him that I was in the Beverly Hills police station. <laughs> no, he was not. my one call. And uh, I just left him a message. I was like, hey, I was like, I got really drunk tonight. I was sad about the election. And I... Went to this bar and there was, I went in the hallway and there was a long line for the bathroom and there was already this <laughs> like established pee smell in there. And so I thought it wouldn't be a big deal if I just quickly popped a squat and peed in the hallway. Oh and I thought God. I got arrested. So at 6 o'clock in the morning, I get a call from Jason, and I knew he had a new job the next day. That You are to be so a- mean. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> I mean, well, everyone's fragile because of the election. Like, no one knows <laughs> know, what's happening. Rude. It was just
1: like, what How happened? rude. <laughs> uh, speaking of us. Um, but no, he had a really good sense of humor about it because he, he called me <laughs> Because I said to him, I said the officers are gonna take my cell phone away from <laughs> me right now. So I said, if you call me in the morning, you're probably gonna get an officer on the line. So it's six- oh my god. So at six o'clock in the morning, he calls me and he's like, Molly, and I was like, it was a prank. Oh my I- god, because I was like still drunk. Um, I went on a bender after the election. Sure. It was a pretty dark time for me. I think me. you made a
2: – that sounds like a – that's a, that's self-care. That's yeah. That's
1: just important. Until until I realized that I was hurting myself as much as Donald Trump was going to hurt me in the future. Sure, sure.
2: Anyway, just as we were starting, I looked up, I mouthed, that's my friend Scott, and that's why that came up at the top of this podcast. But he's he's a lovely, smart, great, funny, wonderful, talented person. One of my favorite Thank people.
1: you. Speaking of smart, funny, talented people, <gasps> let's talk about what your daughter said to you today well
2: guys I think that your audience <laughs> should hear this so I'm a little uh off today okay <laughs> and it's not the enormous like 25 ounce coke slurpee I just got at the 7-eleven on my way in <laughs> um because that's how I celebrate but my daughter who just turned 10 mm-hmm. last month you know I have an only child mm-hmm. and I have found you're an only child yeah so maybe you can speak to this
1: isn't she Does I'm dyslexic too yes dyslexic? okay
2: very dyslexic okay and it gets better. Did you? Thank you. Did, I'm glad to know that. Did you have you had step siblings, but later right? when I was 20. So you did not grow up in the house. With no. any other kids. OK, so what I found with only children is that
3: mm, I have a lot of theories about this. Are you now. an only child? No, I'm not.
2: But I'm friends with a lot of only children. Oh, God. OK, tell, let I me, don't want to know.
3: because <laughs> I have some friends
2: that are only children that loved it and mm-hmm. some that hated it. Yeah. Some that are totally normal and some that are deeply fucked. So I don't know. But here's what I see. That it's also her personality. But I felt like with me, with my brother and I when we were growing up, it was my parents and then the kids. Yeah. And it was like, they were the parents and we were the kids. I feel like when you're an only child, you think you're in a triangle with the mom and the dad. Yes. So it's this constant power struggle. Like no, mm-hmm. you're not a parent and you're not part of me and my it's not proper grammar. But you're not in the relationship with me and my husband.
1: You're, like you're I'm up here and you're down here to quote <laughs> Belly, Kelly Kelly ben- <laughs> ben- mom. Well, yeah, you're
2: the child and I'm the grown-up and yeah. she's like
1: no, that's actually not the case and I'm going right. to struggle to for that power
2: at all times. Yeah. So and I should read you I was just gone for a week working and my daughter said to me oh, you're the kind of mother that chooses work over her child. I get it. Oh, she's been listening to Dr. Laura. That's exactly what she said to me. (laughs) Can you imagine that she said that to me? And I'll read you a text exchange between myself and my husband. But So today, she and my niece had made homemade slime, Mm -hmm. which already goes against everything I believe in. It drives me insane. I hate messes, and I don't like arts and crafts. I am not that mom. Like, great, do that at an after-school enrichment or with someone else's mother who's better than I am. I'm not here. I'm here to teach you about, like, (laughs) anti-Semitism <laughs> and, like...
3: Not that we're laughing about anti I know, se- <laughs> No, no. <laughs> no like,
2: but, like, I'm here to teach you how to, like, protect yourself for being Jewish and, that, and not let the patriarchy run you over. That's okay. my strong points. Those are great. My non-strong points are baking and crafting, which mm-hmm. I hate. Yeah. Anyway, I allowed them to make this slime, and I said, do not play with it in the bedrooms. Well, let me tell you what happened. She did, mm. and then came into my room, sat down on the bed, got up, and there was huge... Her ass and thigh were covered in slime. And then my bed was covered in slime. I did not yell. I did not raise my voice. It was one of those self-fulfilling consequences. So I just looked at it and I said, go clean that up. It was really hard to clean up. She tried for about three minutes with a lot of like like vocalizations. (laughs) It didn't clean up very well. And I said, okay. And then she said, she finished and then screamed at me, you're not even going to thank me for cleaning up. And I said, why would I thank you for cleaning something up that you did that was also what you weren't supposed to be doing? Right. Then she looked me dead in my eyes and she said, I've hated you since the day I was born. And then my husband happened to walk by at that moment and she said i hate you too oh my god and it was dark and my husband was like wait what and then she had to go to a birthday party and then my husband said i think we should not allow her to go to the birthday party as a punishment and then i said why would we punish ourselves because all i want to do is (laughs) drop her off at a birthday party right now right so i said that is self-inflicted pain no she can go also that's a Brutal punishment. It's because, like, remember
1: how big birthday parties were when you were that age? And she got
2: invited by the girl whose birthday it is to stay. She's the only one that's invited to stay and have the sleepover after.
1: Oh, okay. That's big. I
2: can't take that away from her, even though I want to. Even from the
1: birthday girl. Yes. It would
2: not be nice to do that to her friend. So I then called my mother Mm -hmm. downstairs when I got here today to ask her if I had said, I hate you. And she said, I did. That I told her on her 40th birthday how much I hated her. But she says I didn't say it a lot. Do you remember that
1: on her 40th birthday? I have
2: zero memory of ever saying that. And that was really awful.
1: Did you ever tell your mom you hated her? No. No. I think I mean this is what I was saying. Well, literally, yeah, I had it's a lot of like I don't want to be
3: here anymore. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But never. Right. I mean, my mom's great. So, but not you're, not sh- that you're not great. But yeah. Well. But I
1: think that Goldie's a lot of people fiery. are saying to me. Yeah. You know. Um. Oh, is it okay that I said her name? No, it's fine. Okay, sorry. I'm like I don't I don't know. If I that's put her like a... on social media. It's okay, fine. okay, okay. So, um, I. I think that there's two types of kids in this world. Tell me, because I want to hear this. I the first kind I, I was I told you downstairs, like I was the kind of kid who was terrified of my mother. What Look. were you
2: scared of? Like what did you think would happen if you had said I hate you?
1: Consequences.
2: Well what were those gonna
1: be? Like, um my mom didn't grab me, she put me on quote unquote probation.
2: What does that mean?
1: Probation is like, um, like this is where we're gonna decide whether or not you have character that is like good or not. Like my mom used to do this crushing thing with me that it would always come down to my character and, the like, the content of my character.
2: But I think that's kind of effective,
1: don't you think? Of course. And, I'm like, but it, to this day, I have complexes because of it. Like, she did this thing to me that I've told her before, you need to stop doing this to me because you don't understand the panic it puts in me because of the way you raised me. But she'll say to me, like, don't forget you have a layover in Houston. And I'm like... Not only do I know I have a fucking layover in Houston. I know that if I miss that layover, I can call my friend Allie and stay at her house for the night. I know that I can also book a hotel. I'm right right. I mean, like, I, like I can have 15 fucking backup plans for right. if I miss this because you have raised me Got to be s- like so scrambled and afraid my yeah. whole life. Right, right, and I'm right. like, stop adding to my anxiety. And that to me, that like uh, feeds into a respect issue, I yeah. feel with my mom and I, because I'm like, Now, I'm like, I have spent my entire life just fucking bowing down to the queen, kissing that goddamn ring my whole life. And now, the one that the massive anxiety issue that has developed Mm. inside of me because of that, um, now, like, you have to. I said I I did say to her when we got into our last fight. I said I'm the monster you created. I said (laughs) I'm tired. I said I'm tired of you acting afraid of me. I said because my mom just is like, "Mm, right? You know, you're too harsh. She even said like she brought my stepdad into it the other day, and I said you need to stop being such a fucking pussy. I said you need to learn how to stand up for yourself. If you're gonna pick a fight with me, you need to finish it. And you're divorcing him, so you're not always gonna have that. So you, I just said you need to learn to stand on your own two feet in an argument with your daughter. I said I can talk back now. So. That you was bossed just up to I mean moment. I did I bossed up cuz like she she's okay so you know I have dyslexia right Leslie? Sure. Uh-huh. So, when did you find out you were di- like when did it really become a known thing Interesting interesting story so I got sent to a school for retarded kids first I'm not <laughs> kidding I was the only
2: kid who was not so, like developmentally disabled
1: No like I I was yes it was for really really severe severe cases of autism, stuff like that. That's what used to
2: happen. My mother, who's 74, is severely dyslexic and didn't get diagnosed till she was 50.
1: Okay. And people were like, oh, you're dumb and lazy.
2: Yes. And, you know, clearly it's not an intelligence issue, but that's what they used to do. They used to chuck you in with every kid. Yeah. And be
1: like, oh, well. Because they'd be like, Molly has an amazing vocabulary. Molly does this. Molly can but read she them, But she can't. But she can't get, like, she tests poorly right. and stuff like that. So when I was 16, my mom got engaged to this guy We moved to Princeton, New Jersey. I got sent to a school for like basically mentally handicapped children and all all sorts of layers of the spectrum. And I'm not kidding. There were kids in that school with Down syndrome. And then there was kids like me who had dyslexia. Right. So which is like very different. Mm -hmm. Oh, you think? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I was 16, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, which was like the most freeing moment of my life because finally I had a word for because I mean, how do you explain how your brain works Mm -hmm. when you have only had your brain? So, um, I get, I fly 14 hours to Florida to go see my parents because it's their, it's our last Christmas together or Thanksgiving together before they get divorced. And like, right. you know, they're still trying to be friends and, um, I just wanted to be there with them because I do love Greg and like he, I want him to be in my life. Right. And so, um, I fly 14 hours to get there, fly with wags, you know, uh, I think I had two layovers. I, I get there, they let me go to sleep that night. I wake up the next morning. it's 9 a.m Florida time 6 a.m. for me. Oh God. I sit up, you know I have a cup of coffee. for some reason they're serving hot coffee and humid Florida <laughs> weather, which is just boggles the mind. Um, and I sit down because the only chair that's available on the patio because my stepdad's on the big couch is directly in the way of the sun. Now I have sun damage on this side of my face, and I'm sitting in the sun, and it's on me, and I don't have my sunscreen on. Mm-hmm. And my mom comes out into the porch holding a bundle of papers. Okay, I can't wait to see what. And is going. I and I had already said to her, I think I'm gonna go back to bed. Um, fun fact about me: it is my entire life. It takes me an hour and a half to wake up. I'm not. Sure. I, I'm kind of like mm-hmm. yeah. For like an hour and a half every day. And then once I'm on them, I would say I hit my stride at 11 a.m. Sure. Every day. Got it. So, um, Shauna comes outside holding fucking weird, demented printouts. Okay. <laughs> like, de- I said, what fucking demented King Ghost Trip was this? I said, what? I said, well, do you guys even own a printer? Like, you had to go out of your way to do this. So, she says to me, Molly, you know, we know you're struggling. We know you're suffering. And I'm, and, and, like, what she means by that is I go to therapy. Okay. And, like, my mom's first question always when I get out of therapy is, what'd you say about me? <laughs> like, it's not, like, how are you feeling, sweetheart? Why you like, ask me you why, te- what did you say about me? what did you say about That's me? That's what we talk about. And so I, I, I oftentimes lie to her and sure. don't even tell her, like, oh, I'm in therapy or whatever because I don't want to answer that question. Right. So... Apparently, this has translated to her as I'm suffering and okay. I'm struggling in life uh-huh. uh, as opposed to maybe just I've li- I, they don't really know me. I said that to them, too. I was has like, she ever been in therapy? Uh, yeah, but my mom goes to male therapists and I think it's because she can emotionally manipulate them. But oh. anyway, okay, uh, she she always for some reason, my mom always hears what she wants to hear in therapy. Mm. Uh, so um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, it's never her fault. So um, she says, you know, and then my stepdad s- s- steps in. And goes, monster. what we're trying to say is like, you know, you know, over the years, we've had conversations with you about, you know, certain things. And my mom's like, so a couple of years ago, I had given my mom's my my therapist phone number to my mom because I needed help paying for my therapy. And my mom sure. processed the pay like. So my mom apparently, because my, the therapist I was seeing at the time was wildly unethical. Oh, God. My mom starts to tell this therapist that she thinks that I have a nonverbal learning disorder and that I was misdiagnosed as dyslexic and that I have nonverbal learning disorder. I don't know what that means. Just wait.
2: Okay. It's I've never so heard of shitty. That. A it's, nonverbal learning disorder. So
1: she goes, it doesn't mean you have a bad vocabulary. In fact, it means the opposite. She's like, I just would like it if you would take these printouts Go up to your room, read them. Sounds horrible. Let you let me know what you think. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. And I'm like I'm like I said to I said I said why is this a big deal? I said, why are, I said, I honestly thought you guys were about to, get, this was an intervention. Right. I thought that I was going to be loaded into a van after <laughs> dinner tomorrow night. Like, I thought that was like, happy last Thanksgiving before right. you go to the mental hospital. There's great treatment centers here in Florida for your yeah. mental illness. So, because like, I mean, like I said, why did you start out by saying my suffering and my struggling? Right. I said, I'm, I don't suffer and struggle. I said, in fact, like I live in a town full of learning disabled people right. where we all come together and make art. Like, like, yeah, this is, But hold said, on, these handouts were about your nonverbal learning disorder? So I go upstairs, and I sit down on my bed, and I start to read it. Signs and symptoms of a <laughs> nonverbal learning disorder include- um, I have a de- definition up here. Difficulty okay. reading faces, mm-hmm. an inability to use things like scissors and tie your <laughs> shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like basically it's usually characterized by a su-
3: significant discrepancy between higher verbal skills and weak motor, visual, spatial, and social skills,
1: yeah, so my mom was basically what? telling me she's like, you're socially, like my mom says, you don't read situations correctly. like when something when something happens, you don't read situations correctly. And I said, Maybe that's true. I said I'm always told by people that I have a unique way of thinking about things. I was like, but I'm actually, I would say, I'm exceptional at reading faces, and in fact, very sensitive to energy of the people around me. Uh-huh. And I was like, and I can use scissors. <laughs> and I said, I this is tie my shoes. <laughs> I said, I said to her, I, I came downstairs. I, li- mm. I, you know, I lied to her. Um, and I said, so, um, I've read this information, and I. I said, I appreciate you taking the time to give this to me. I said, I know you care about me very much. Um, I said, but I do not feel this applies to me. Um, I texted with my therapist. She also feels it. And she told me, uh, and I said, and my therapist told me not to be offended that I should find it funny. Because while this is kind of offensive, the fact that you think this applies to me really says everything about you and nothing about me. I agree. And I said, when you do shit like this, you are handing me a silver platter of weight off my shoulders. Right, like you're. Like, real- oh, you're crazy. Like you're- so, it's not me. It is you. Yeah, like you had. You- oh, you were lobotomized. Right. That's fine. <laughs> so, um, because she- like she'll do things sometimes. Like she'll bring something up and she'll be like, "What about the cake?" And I'm like, "What?" cake and then she's like the cake from when you were 13 and like it's like some story that like i'm like i cannot believe that i had an entire childhood and this is some this is what you remember of it like
2: i also think anything your child does in their teen years that's gone that's erased once they're adults
1: honestly she was accusing me of wasn't even true it was like some delusional fan it was like a delusional fantasy and i said i would really love it if you stop trying to figure out what's wrong with me Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. And I said, not anything that I said, I think that you also have not accepted that I'm in my 30s. Now I'm an adult. And I said, I'm going through stuff. I said, I'm continuing to grow into the person that I am. I said, my 20s were wild and crazy. I struggled a lot. I had successes. I had failures personally and professionally. And now I'm coming out of it on the other side. I'm a homeowner. And I'm trying to like do all this fun stuff in my career. And I said, I'm not... I don't know why it is you think I suffer, but like uh, like everyone in my town, it feels like it's me against the world. Right. You know what I mean? It's the nature of the business that I chose. Like, it's not this unique problem that I, no one else has. And I said, I just feel like you don't... I feel like you must not... You don't know me, Also, basically. something...
2: It- something about you makes her uncomfortable something about the way you're living your life is so uncomfortable for her she can't not say something or do something Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's really about you no it's about her and there's something about you that that is that's triggers something in her which is really interesting and I think what you're saying is so hugely important and I think now that I'm in my 40s -hmm. (laughs) that and that happens real fast I can't the biggest key to life, I think, at my age, and what people say to me is like, what have you learned is the most freeing thing is not to take things personally.
3: Mm-hmm. And That's so hard. Parta- I know. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, yeah. and
2: particularly from the people closest to you, to be yeah. able to parse out what's me and what's them.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: But when you don't take things personally, I swear to God, you want to talk about feeling free? It's yeah. incredible. So this, to me, is such an obvious example, and it sounds like you're doing it naturally. Where you're like, I'm okay, nothing to do with me. doesn't mean it doesn't
1: hurt. I'm trying. I mean, I did tell her, I was like, how was I, how am I supposed to, I said, I don't know if I should get on a plane. I said, <laughs> what I- What are I, you supposed to do? Then go have dinner? I said, because she said, do you want to go shopping in Del Rey later? <laughs> no, no, no. I said, I said, I was like, this is a great welcome. Thanks, you guys. I said, yeah. what's next? You're going to take me in the village to get raped? I was like, <laughs> what is going, I said, this is just a great Thanksgiving. And she goes, well, I was thinking we could go shopping in Del Rey later. And I was like, you think I want to hang out with you? You just handed me a printout that said, I can't use scissors. She wanted to take you shopping <laughs> to try on shoes to see if you could lace
2: them. I know, exactly. That's what she really wanted see, to do. She can't lace her shoes. <laughs> but I have to think, I'm just saying, I am a mother in West LA. Yes. And I have never heard of nonverbal learning disorder. And right. I've heard every motherfucking disorder you can imagine. Yeah, a
3: thing. You know, I've there are foundations. Never... Yeah. I just, uh, maybe they're PR people aren't really on it or like no one's raising awareness that is or it so hasn't been diagnosed but enough. even a
2: casual association like, yeah, with people you People just throw it can, out there but like i i that that so clearly isn't you and i don't no, know I where know. she got that information or who told her to it cuz when i was
1: a kid i had to do like occupational therapy okay, because that's i guess so i had sensory issues every
2: child on earth does ot now did you know that because apparently no child can hold a pencil Okay, i don't yeah. know <sighs> any kid anyone who has a child by the time they're seven who hasn't been in some kind of fucking bounce on a ball
1: that's yeah I will, uh, yeah
2: pencil holding whatever every i mean it's like a joke now
1: it is like a joke i am so relieved you said that because Everyone. my mom brings it up like as if like like i no no so but so that's there's one type of child in the world that's got it me. okay and i think goldie is getting it out in a really healthy way right now <laughs> I hope so and like I think that you honestly, I, I know someday you will laugh about this because I can't, I think it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I've hated you. It's just so extra. <laughs> Since the day, I,
2: It's so extra. You know what it is also is that, you know, I have a, like, I do say to her a lot, I, I just, I don't want her to be a doormat.
4: Mm-hmm. And I have,
2: it's really difficult for me to mm-hmm. be around women who are doormats. Yes. And I understand that. It's not fair to ask everybody to be on the same page about everything. Mm -hmm. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what your childhood was like. Real. But it's very difficult for me to see it. And I just don't understand it. And my parents, (laughs) you know, raised me to be like, you don't eat shit. You don't kowtow to stupid people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you're rude and you bulldoze people, but it Mm -hmm. means you have a sense of who you are and... I think that, look, Goldie's 10. She's in fourth grade. This is when girls get nasty. Mm-hmm. This is when psychological warfare begins with girls. It's, it's evil. It's evil and awful. Now, she's at the sweetest little Jewish school in the whole wide world. So she's these are fifth or sixth? Fourth. Okay. So she's definitely, there's a bubble and the administration's really on it and they're all about no bullying or whatever. So I understand she's not going to get it like if she was just at some huge school where they weren't on top of it. But, you know, there's a couple girls in her class. That are steamrollers. Yeah. And I don't want her to get steamrolled. Yeah. So, for instance, she told me that there was a girl who likes to go around at lunch and take the food off other kids out of other kids' lunches. I want that. And she takes it. So, the girl came to take one of her cookies.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: Goldie said, don't take that. That's my cookie. And she said, but everybody else lets me take their cookie. And Goldie said, I'm not everybody else. Now, I heard that and I was thrilled. And I was yeah. like, good. You tell them I'm motherfucker to not take your cookies. But – It gets turned on me now. Yeah. So I was just gone for a week working, and I want to read to you the text I got from my husband. (laughs) So he wrote at like 9 o'clock last Friday night, Goldie is stubborn as a mule. You can't say shit to her. (laughs) And I wrote, You got that right, but you got to hold firm. (laughs) He wrote, I know, but challenging and acting like a teenager. And I wrote, Just don't let her see you get flustered. She will go for the jugular if she sees weakness. And then he
3: wrote, I'm not asking how to talk to her. I'm just telling you. (laughs) So... You know, she guys gotta stay united in your front. Well, that's the thing. She'll exploit that
2: weakness. That's the, but that's the thing. And like, my husband is my husband is hard. Teenage girls are like tiny sociopaths. Yes, I mean, they, are. they are. Yeah. So my husband is much more laid back than I am. Like, I am not a laid back person. He is. He's not like a pushover, but he's just very. He's just laid back. Yeah. And so I think he's just like what? Like I can't believe. <laughs> like his father will say about my husband. Like he never gave me a minute of trouble. Yeah. He was just like great and he just was easy and no drama and so I think for my husband he's just like what has happened and mm-hmm. then there is an element of him blaming me he's like it's your fault <laughs> but I also think you're born wide a certain way yeah. anyway I do it's it's just it's hard because I want to like keep that fiery bit of her do you know mm-hmm. what I mean like I love that she's tough and self-possessed and can say this stuff to me but on the other hand it's like no 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 so Here's what's going to happen. Okay. This is this morning she went to her birthday party and she's sleeping over tonight. Mm-hmm. We're going to let things cool down and then we're going to have to have a very serious talk. The thing is she doesn't a lot of times let me even have the talk.
1: Here's the thing. Words are weapons yeah. and like, you know what? Sometimes it's an important it's important to have a gun in the house, <laughs> but you don't just fire it off. Because someone, you know, someone came knocking that annoyed you. I you think know that what that's I mean? a great way to put it. Like Words you gotta, are weapons. Yes. You like, it's, to- impor- it's important to be able to protect yourself, but... You- don't fucking stick a gun in someone's face because you can't. I agree.
2: And I don't think she understands how strong those words are. And I think she needs someone to tell her, like, you can't mess around with that. But you know what's funny is I took I know this is probably boring for anyone who doesn't have a kid, although I think it's interesting. Yeah. But I took this parenting class with this by this woman. Her name is Betsy Brown Braun. And she's like the expert on the West Side. Yeah. So it's a bunch of West Side moms. And a lot of it is talking about affluenza. Oh yeah. What do you do when your kid has everything? Mm-hmm. You know? So Anyway, her whole thing is, like, you have to be receptacle for your kids' bullshit. Mm -hmm. And and not that you let them run over you, but that if you're a parent who's constantly reacting emotionally to everything your parent says, like, they're going to have too much power over you. You need to be able to be like, that doesn't affect me, like, Mm -hmm. when you say that. And be – and that they hold it together at school all day and whatever bullshit they went through at school and then they barf it out on you and you need to be a safe place for them to do it and a receptacle. Now, on the one hand, I completely agree with that. I think we've gotten to a place now where I'm like, "Mm, okay, no, that stuff has to stop. Like there has to be a line now. Yeah. So I've been a course
3: correction. Correct. And
2: I think that now we're 10, now we're double digits and now it's time to get serious. But let me just Quickly get back to what happened with your mom. So how did that
1: resolve itself? When she said, well, do you want to go shopping? What did you do? Did you get up and leave? Um, I went into the kitchen to make Wags' dog food from scratch (laughs) because he has really bad gas in his older years. He's (laughs) rotting from the inside. and So I have to make his food. And he and I just was like crying. And and she was like, you know, I'm so sorry you're upset. And I just said, like, I just want you to be maternal. I said, I want you to stop torturing me. I said, like, I don't want to come here and do this. I said, why would I do this to myself? I said, this is at this point. I said, this is the definition of insanity. I said, every time I see you, I get my feelings hurt. And I said, I have to I said, I have to start protecting myself. I said, you have no idea how many therapists have told me that I should never speak to you Mm. again and i said and i and i want to keep trying cuz you're my mom and i'm an only child and i don't have siblings and i don't have a dad and i said when i die i'm going to die alone i said unless i die i said when 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 you're on your deathbed you're going to have me when i'm on my deathbed i'm going to have Maybe a friend if I'm lucky. Why do you don't know these things? I'll be there. Hey, I'm younger than you and I'll probably outlive you. So I'll be there. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, I just said to her, I was like, You're my only family member. Yeah. You're my only family. And every time I see you, like, you cut me so deep. Right. And I said, I don't even think you realize. I know you've been upset for like years now and that's why you're getting the divorce. I said, but I don't think you realize that some of the things you have said to me in the last two years are so fucking unforgivable that like I have had friends like cry and say, I am sorry that that's your mom. Mm. And I said, I know you don't mean to do it. I know you don't mean to, but like when I told you that Wags almost passed away this year, she texted me, I'm sorry I was taking a nap. And I was just like, you're not maternal. Yeah. And I said, go turn on fucking Real Housewives. Right. I said, Ramona Singer is more maternal than you. So <laughs> said, just yeah. hug. If I'm upset, she was, I said, she goes, you never want to hug from me when you're upset. And I said, because I had to learn a really long time ago, I need to hug myself. Yeah. I was like that. And I said, that was a sad lesson for me. And like, look, you know my mom. She's effervescent. She's yeah. fabulous. She's like glamorous. She has she so is. many great things going for her. Just, I think that like she is obsessed with diagnosing our relationship, right. and it's a little bit. It's like it's just you know what. Get. I. I said to her, you need to get through your divorce before yes. you. And and she keeps suggesting we go to therapy together. No. No. And I said, Mom, that is wildly unboundaryed. Yeah. And I said, you the. At this point in our lives, you need to go to therapy and figure out why you react to me like this. And mm-hmm. I need to go to fit therapy and continue to figure out why I react to you like this. But I said, we cannot go to therapy together. It is wildly unhealthy. I'm not a drug addict. This yeah. isn't like marriage, family counseling. Like it isn't like when you have to go because my brother is fucked up. Like right. th- It's different. So, yeah. Um, yeah so th- that's that. I mean, it is what it is. It's uh, wrapped up. But We're going to have a nice Christmas. Should, maybe you should take a break. You know,
2: maybe you should – because you know what's so strange to me? First of all, she's not focusing on her own life, so she's choosing to take all that energy and focus it on you. But you're living completely independently from her, 3,000 miles away. You have your own home. You have your own career that nobody helped you with that you Mm -hmm. did all by yourself purely through talent. Mm -hmm. You You didn't have an uncle or a grandpa or, Mm -hmm. or an auntie who got you a job. I don't understand what's not to be proud of. And not only that, it's really important to let your child live
1: their life. You're a grown ass woman. You're an adult. I just. And she would argue that she does. I I just don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, I don't know what it is. But I I think that, you know, I think that now like she's been so much better. All right, good. She's been texting me like just saying like, hi, I love you. Like she's been doing that lately and. That was a big thing is that I said, You only text me when you need something. Right. Okay. And I said, and, and if I can't give it to you, you don't even write back to me. And so that I think resonated with her. And yeah. um You
2: know, I did family therapy. Me, my mom, my dad, and my brother.
1: How old were you? Twenty
2: three. That's 22 rough. or 23. And I got to tell you something, every time what we had our therapy on the way there, I would literally pray. I'm like, please, somebody crash into my car. Like, I need an excuse to not go. Like, I wouldn't have minded a legit car accident. And it was horrible, but it ended up being very, very productive. Uh-huh. And I think that that, you know, my dad, who I love and adore and I'm obsessed with, but I think he really understood like, oh, my children are adults now and they have a choice to never speak to me again if they don't want to. Right. So I'm in control of that. That's great. You know, if I act a certain way, they won't talk to me. And if I act in a different way, they will. And he really got that message loud and clear. So for us, it worked out well, but it had to get to a place. Yeah. It's not cute. And I think maybe, I think you said, I think what you said to her was amazing. And I think she's lucky you even said it because a lot of people would have been like, I'm going to go and maybe I've never talked to her again. A lot of people would have done that. So she's lucky.
1: I've been told – I just – I can't give up my one family member. I understand. You know, it's it's sad. Like, I mean, Ed and Christina are basically, like, they're my unit. Yeah. they're my two people. But I just, like, you know, she's my only biological – you know, she's my biological bitch. I get it. Okay, we went to a very dark place. want to take our calls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great
5: transition, Molly. Hey, Molls. This is Megan. I'd rather not say where I'm calling from because this has to do with work, but let's just say I'm working in a progressive city in the Midwest. Anyway, today I was working on a Christmas card with my team for my boss, who um, happens to love donuts. The card says something about how Santa was watching her because of how much she loves her donuts, and, but she was still on the nice list. But on the inside of the card, it had a picture of her with her face photoshopped onto a full body picture of Melissa McCarthy. And if I had to guess, I'd say my boss is a size zero, just like the rest of the people on my team. And I'm what you would call plus size. I had to listen to everyone laugh their asses off at this proposed card, which was really hurtful. Um, And I asked what Melissa McCarthy had to do with it. And I was basically just daring them to say it's my face. I used to consider these people my friends, and I'm super open-minded to people of all walks of life and consider myself to be a pretty proud feminist, even though I'm used to people being completely insensitive to women who are plus size, which really pisses me off. But I thought my friends were different and more progressive. (laughs) Anyway... Um, I always listen to them talk about whatever's going on in their life, and after today, I'm just wondering if they're really my friends, if they could be that insensitive, or am I just being, like, this stereotypical codependent fat girl, or am I just being insensitive? Anyway, I'm just really, like, it's just sticking in my mind, and I was just wanting to hear your honest and thoughtful advice. Anyway, I love you, I love Christina, and hi to your guests. Please
2: advise. Well, first of all, can I just say that I'm hugging you through the phone through this podcast because you sound awesome and so great and smart and intuitive and kind. And I, I, I hate that happened. I hate that story And I really don't see any difference between doing that and photoshopping her face on like some horrible caricature of a black person or a Jewish person. Like that to me is gross and offensive and insensitive to you. And I'm proud of you for pushing the issue. And I guess obviously they punked out saying anything to your face. But unfortunately, I think you did learn maybe a little something you didn't want to learn about them.
1: Um, sizeism is still like, you know, body shaming is a fairly new concept for something that should be so obvious. Um, there are still people that like, you know, like the dear fat people video that went viral a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago. You know, that girl, Nicole Arbor has a nice little career for herself now.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Lindy West who wrote. Trill, which Yeah, is she's great. She's a, great. She talks about this stuff in such a brilliant way. But
1: Nicole Arbor is like a skinny girl that made up right. dear fat people. But it was just mean. It was just mean. And I here's the thing is that I definitely have said I've made like a fat joke in front of an overweight person before and mm-hmm. felt like the biggest piece of shit in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I'm from Boston. Like we the word <laughs> retarded is a major part of our vocabulary. <laughs> Calling things gay. Yeah. as, as a pejorative is a very big part of our vocabulary. It's, uh, there's a lot of things that were kind of drilled into my head as like, this is an acceptable way to speak that I'm still deprogramming myself from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the reason why they didn't say that to your face is because they probably realized how fucking rude it was mm-hmm. and they're regretful for it. And, um, I, uh, I mean, there's also like –
3: have you ever been in an instance where it's like they're joking about something, but, but then they're like, oh, but I didn't mean that about you. Right.
1: Yes. And you know what? I have a lazy eye. So that and, – and I've had two surgeries to correct it, and it still comes out when I'm tired, drunk, or sad. And when I did Drunk History, they had to shoot around it, like things like that. (laughs) And that was actually one of the reasons why I fell in love with Derek was because he told me after that they had shot around my lazy eye because he thought that maybe I was too embarrassed to say something. And I was like, oh, no, I just forgot I have a lazy eye. (laughs) But there are people that make jokes about lazy eyes all the time in front of me. They'll be like, oh, Khloe Kardashian has like a lazy eye. And I'm like, so do I. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I think that um, that is something that I that is something that's sensitive for me. It's very, it it can be sensitive. I also have a sense of humor about it. I mean, I wrote one of my first posts for Hello Giggles was about how I have to wear an eye patch sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to strengthen my eye. And I think, you know, I, I think that If, you know, if you kind of like Lindy West it a little bit, Mm -hmm. she, I mean, just own it. I know it's a really difficult thing to own. That's a tall order, honestly, to be like, just own it, girl. Um, Oh, yeah. Own it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um
3: You should should definitely pick up Lindy West's trill. Mm -hmm. It's a great book, isn't it? It's a great book. She writes really well. She has a strong voice, but it's also really empowering for a woman who is not conventionally mainstream size. Well, I guess it is because the average American woman is the size 16. Mm -hmm. So.
1: And she has written brilliantly for Jezebel for years. Um, And, uh, you know, most of her, uh, you know, most of the attacks were not on her points or comments, which were also, you know, very strong. Yeah, they were she was always about she her weight. She and Dan
3: weight. Savage got into it once. Absolutely. Because he is oh, notoriously, like, kind of fat-shamey.
1: He he thinks it's really important. he says the reason why he's with his husband is because, you know, his husband is very fit. And, you know, that's basically one of their rules is like um i had a friend who is a very wealthy television writer and in, in his wedding vows um he said to her like um prompt like you know like she said i v- i vow to you that i'll never get fat and she and he says to her i vow to you that i'll never get poor and like <laughs> that's it, the most
2: la ceremony i've ever heard in my entire life and it yeah. is
1: really it's funny but it's like it's you know it's i I just feel so bad and I've said this on a couple episodes ago and I really want to drill this home too because I can't tell you how much I mean it and how many of you have actually reached out to me on Snapchat, et cetera, to say that this resonated with you big time your work work people from work are not your friends mm, they're mm-hmm. not your fucking friends yeah. you spend a lot That's of time with them you maybe even go out and get drinks with them I don't recommend that I don't ever I don't I have made a huge errors in trusting people as humans thinking mm-hmm. they were my friends thinking that I could tell them things about my life and it has only come back to hurt me and haunt me and so I think that it's really important that you keep on a maybe you know maybe say something if you feel inclined but maybe just keep a brave face on Real. That these people were never truly your friends to begin with, yeah. and that they don't need to be. You're there to pick up a paycheck. I, I word. I think
2: you could end it right there. I think you're. I I sign everything you just said. But you
1: have friends. You have friends from work. I mean, I guess it's different. Maybe when you're yeah, an actor, there's, there's more camaraderie. Too. Well, I guess.
2: But I just. I mean, I was really thinking about it. Like, well, what does she do now? Right? Like, where do you go? Because it's almost like you've seen something about somebody you thought you could trust, or mm-hmm. you thought you could knew that. Or that you, that you thought you knew that then you find out was not what you thought it was. And unfortunately, I, I think that maybe is the way it is. You know what they did was shitty. Mm-hmm. It was just shitty and gross and thoughtless and dumb. And I'm bummed that that happened to you. And you deserve better than that. Does and she address it? I
1: think she tried but and here, all Yeah, down. and I kind
2: of feel like for what gain? Like why should she waste her energy? I would never do something like that in a workplace. I would just never do that. And if somebody... You know, it's one of those things where if someone's going to do something to begin with, they're not going to be sensitive or understand what you're talking about when Mm -hmm. you say that wasn't okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just kind of think save that energy, save that, like, pain or whatever – and understand who they are. Look, what's that old Oprah saying when someone shows you who they are believe them? It comes up every episode. It's the truth. It's the truth. The motto
3: of the pod. And it's Maya Angelou, not Oprah. Well, I
1: guess it was It's Oprah's favorite quote. Correct. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So, uh, I I think, unfortunately, we now know who they are and we just expect a lot less from them Mm -hmm. and you got to kind of close up a little bit to them.
1: Also, wildly inappropriate workplace. That's even a, like, if, if I was a boss and my employee handed me something roasting me, yeah. and inside there was an unflattering Photoshop picture of me. No thanks. I'd be like, y'all fired. Yeah. Like, I they, they, This is an economy where a lot of people need jobs. You yeah. can go. Bye, yeah. there's the door,
3: honey. They're gross.
1: And it's I, weird. Yeah,
2: but you make the ultimate good point. Your friends at work aren't your real friends. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes every, I think there's exceptions to every rule. There's a
3: jewel every once in a while. But it's really. a jewel.
2: Yeah.
6: And it's
1: called a jewel because it's real rare. Mm-hmm. So let's take our next call.
6: Hi, Molls. Um, I am just calling because I feel like in the wake of the recent election, um, I, I am a white woman, which is, I've never wanted to say this, but I'm like, that's amazing. I'm so happy I'm white. And so I'm just wondering like how I can reach out to my Muslim slash African American slash every other ethnicity slash religion. And support them in the wake of this, because I'm having a really hard time dealing with this election result. Um, I feel like a lot of people had a really hard time dealing with it, but it's not really going away. It feels like a death. So how do we just move forward and try to be empowered as women and... Uh, just feel like we are living in a safe space and we are letting our neighbors live in a safe space. Thank
1: you. Well, first of all, I'm so glad you called about this. It is a heavy topic, of course, but um, we have the perfect guest for this because, (laughs) Leslie, you were tweeting really like, you were very, like, you brought a lot of awareness, I think, to my timeline anyway about what was showing up on your timeline after the election Mm -hmm. and just, like, the... um, scary, scary, rampant anti-Semitism. Yeah. It, I mean, I literally was shocked.
2: I get a ton of it directed at me. And it never – I've been on Twitter, what, since 2009? Is that right. what was like when I went on? And, you know, I've never really experienced, like, personal anti-Semitism. I'm from Los Angeles. Sure. I'm in the entertainment industry. So come on. Let's be serious. <laughs> right. But obviously I'm well aware of my religion's history. And I'm very well versed in the Holocaust because every child who was born in the 70s like your parents were obsessed and I've went to every single concentration camp. I've seen it all, but it never really affected, affected me directly because that's my people, but no one ever said or did anything to my face. Mm-hmm. So really when the campaign began, I started to notice a different tone, like, and people would tweet weird shit at me and I was like, well, that seems anti-Semitic. And then it started to just become overt, horrible anti-Semitism where people would Tweet at me, like if I tweeted out something positive about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like you, you know, they would call me an oven dodger and then tweet me. Oh, yes. I've been called an oven dodger all the time and I'm – I should have been born in – you know, too bad I wasn't alive in 1940 and I would have been gassed and my family deserves to be gassed. And then with all that old propaganda that I remember, like when you go to um, Yad Vashem in Israel, which is the Holocaust Museum there – they have like a huge – or the Holocaust Museum in D.C.,
3: which is a great museum. Side note, that's kind of sad. I met Paul Newman at that museum.
2: No, When really? I was like 12.
3: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that he was at the – such a
2: turn-on that he was at the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> He's so attractive. He was very
3: nice. Of course he was. I had recognized him from his cooking stuff. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oof. Rent the Hustler if you haven't. There's never been a better looking person. Or Cool Hand Luke. Anyway, oh, I love that he's, like, interested in the plight of the Jews. I know. Yes, Paul. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, they have all the old propaganda there that the Germans would use. And it's these horrible caricatures of, like, a guy with a huge nose or whatever. So that started to get tweeted at me all the time. And then a lot of, like, Hitler memes and I should gas myself and that the Holocaust never happened. And then it became – it's all the time now. And now I just block and report and block and report. And that had never happened to me before. So – and it really is helpful when I see people who aren't Jewish – who are supportive it makes me feel better you know it does make me feel like good there's people out there who aren't jewish who give a shit the jewish people are being targeted and i would say that as a white person which by the way david duke has now said i am not white and then i don't know because jews are not white well there okay. was that
3: big atlantic article that came out yes. a couple days ago that was like are jewish people white
2: well then it was then cnn was like are jewish people people so I don't even know if I'm a person anymore. There was a whole. There was that was like a lower third. Yeah, it was great. It was just wow. the funniest thing. So it's I've been great. It. It's just- but my point is, like, as this caller who said, as a white person, that I, here's what my opinion on that is: you have a responsibility to use your privilege to shine a light on yeah. stuff. It doesn't mean that you are not there to tell people of color how to respond. You're That's- not there to tell them what to do or how they should feel. Right. You shouldn't care about this. You should care about that. You're there to use your privilege to shine a light on what they're going through and to support. The perfect example I can give you is this. If there is a Muslim registry, which, P.S., I want to tell you something. Once you start registering people based on their religion, Mm -hmm. nothing good comes from that because it ends in ethnic cleansing. Mm -hmm. So here's what. If there's a Muslim registry, we all register. You think I'm not going to register? I will register. I'm a proud Jew. I will register as a Muslim. You don't, you have to resist every step of the way. You cannot say it's their problem. I'm not this. I'm not that. There's that old, you know, what's that old saying? They came for the this and I, they came for the doctors and I wasn't. they came a- for,
3: yeah. I'm going to look it up. You okay, know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. But
2: then they came for me and there was no one left. Yeah. So my point is you have to act as if it is you.
1: Yeah. Because it is you. It's all of us. It is. It is. And, um, yeah, I think another important thing is to listen. I don't think it's about telling your Muslim friends exactly. It's, it's about listening to them and exactly shining a light on it. I mean, Christina really, we recorded please advise basically just after the election and Christina was not surprised that Trump won at all. A
3: lot of people of color said, hi. Like, no, she's really surprised. This is the biggest thing is that, like, we feel like a lot of our white allies don't listen to us when it comes to this. Oh, not everything's about race. Oh, you know, and it's like, no, we know how to pick up on those things. And that's one of the most frustrating things to be a person of color with, like, white friends that claim they're our allies. And this is to a larger point that I wanted to make about being an ally you have to be active. You have to actually do things. It's not enough that you have a black friend or black friends. It's not enough that you wear a safety pin, which is just fucking oh, that pointless. I think that's it I makes think me that's angry. embarrassing. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, don't slap yourself on the back for like doing the right thing. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go somewhere else, with this, but this is now I'm losing my train of thought. Um, but it, you know, you can't say that you're an LGBT ally and then say oh I really want my gay friend oh and, like, I, I hate that, that. I well hate I hate when that. people say
1: my gays my gays I hate it it's not your dog you know people walk up to Ed all the yep. time at parties I'd Ed, Ed call me once from a wedding and he's like I'm really upset he's like these girls are like they're like we want to be friends with you Ugh. let's go shopping and he's like I'm not like that he's like I'm not you a shopping gay mm-hmm. he's like I'm not like why do they assume that like I want to stay up and do face masks with them and like <laughs> the talk about the worst. You know, it's just like literally, uh, yeah. or people who use the word ghetto in a way oh, that, yeah. like, you know,
3: you. Know I what try you're to, ch- to say. I try to
1: regularly check myself on that one too because sometimes I do, for the most part, never say it. I did say it in Austin about something. I was like, "Oh, that's so ghetto," and I was like, "Molly, no." <laughs> I was like, I, again, like I, I find myself constantly self-correcting. Bad behaviors that were put into me it's so interesting the subject of the documentary I'm making right now grew up in um Wisconsin he still lives there he is a twenty two year old boy he joined Twitter when he was fourteen and a lot of his first tweets were quote unquote problematic um as you know I, I almost feel like the word problematic is Overused at this point, but truly a prob- problematic tweet. So, um, he grew up like, you know, with the F slur and right. the N word and all that stuff being very normalized speech. And, the you know, that appeared in some of his things, calling things gay, calling things retarded. And mm-hmm. he um, told me, which is one of my favorite parts so far of what we filmed with him. He said, if I never had Twitter... I would have never learned to not talk like that. Oh, really? And he said, now, he said, because I see that that's not okay and that's not cool. He's like, well, my friends do that. He's like, I I, like cut them off and tell them not to do that. And I'm like, that's huge. Like that there's even a, that there's, that someone who would have never been exposed to that dialogue in the heart of uh, Trump country. I mean, that's why they want you to stay off the internet, you guys. It's because it's like the Scientologists. They don't want you to find out the truth and how awful that, I mean, you just can't, you can't, you can't be abusive to people.
3: Yeah. And so I I, I want to say the first thing you should really do is just continue to educate yourself. That's the biggest tech- takeaway. Um And there's a really great article online written by uh, a writer named Ann Friedman. She also is the co-host of a podcast called Call Your Girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's called It's Time to Get Over Your White Feelings and Start (laughs) Taking Action for Black Lives. And she writes about how you can be a productive white ally to people of color and actually like make some change in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So start there.
2: Yeah. I also think like something I kind of can't stop thinking about is, you know, when you think about it. This country is really built on toxic soil. And I think mm-hmm. about this a lot. Like, okay, well, we stole this country from Native Americans. Like, we came we were like, hi, you, we're taking this and then we're going to kill you all. Yeah. And then we built this country with slavery. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says they want to make America great again, what are you talking about? It,
1: yeah, exactly. Are you talking about 1950? Exactly. Like, what What are you talking when about? When Reagan ignored AIDS. Uh, It's just
3: horrifying. I got it. I almost got like Thanksgiving. I almost got into an argument with someone because like we were joke. We were making jokes about make America great again, Mm -hmm. and then I was like, make America great for the first time for everyone. Yeah, and they were like, oh come on, what country would you rather live in? And
1: I'm just like, any any country. (laughs) You most, know what? Most New Zealand. Yeah. I heard New Zealand's
2: great. Yeah. yeah. And they have a very progressive government there. Absolutely. <laughs> Canada, I said France. Australia. Yeah. That was my
1: answer.
2: Well, I was just in Vancouver. It was fabulous. And the, you know what they kept saying to me, Canadians I would talk to? We're so sorry. Yeah. They were like, we feel terrible for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, this is awful. Sorry. Go on, Christina.
3: No, no, no. And I and this is something that I also like. Sometimes we get so worried about have, being impolite. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
3: And because... There's this idea that we need to be respectful to have discourse, Mm -hmm. but sometimes discourse is not the way you get a productive conversation started and you need to make people feel ashamed for having the views that they have in order to educate them. And um, Gene Denby, who's an NPR host, um, he does a show called uh, Code Switch. He went he go read his Twitter he had a really great um take on the whole like Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. did you hear I about saw this? that with Margaret Cho yeah Margaret Cho email back and forth I didn't hear about that basically Margaret Tro had to explain to Tilda Swinton why it was bad she took a role that was in the comic book world was an Asian character oh right um Tilda like cold
2: like cold called well cold emailed Margaret Cho and was like can you, let's talk about why right.
3: Asians are upset about this. And yeah. It was under the context of like, what can I do to hell? Like, let's have a great conversation. Yeah. And the framing was that like, the guilt was not going to be on Tilda. Right. Which is not productive at all. Yeah. Like, you have to take guilt for this. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's been really upsetting to see Matt Damon kind of defend over Ooh. and over again. He did. Well, he did that on, remember, he started doing it on the show. Yeah. Project
1: Greenlight. Project
0: Greenlight.
3: It yeah. started to come up and I was like, ew, what's
1: yeah. going on there? Yeah. I love Matt recently? Damon. I, I always know. thought he never did anything wrong. Oh, yeah. Matt Unfortunately, Damon, you really saw you it in the that one. show. Uh, I, 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 um I also. But yeah. So oh just educate
3: yourself. Um, there are a lot of our outlets. Start with that article. You know, listen to podcasts that are hosted by people of color um, and listen to them tell their stories about their lives and like try to get in touch with organizations that are allies with like Black Lives Matter or something else, and that's
1: my See, advice, Christina. That's why I want you to do your own <laughs> once a month. Please advise spinoff if mm. you have time for it, because I think that I think that your voice is really important, and I, you know, I feel really honored when people. And call. I don't have and,
3: the best. Like I've made mistakes on this podcast too. I don't know why? No, you know, like,
1: what I make it's you trip over these things. How are you supposed to explain the unexplainable perfectly? Yeah, you know, and I'm
3: more of like an internal. I'm such an internal person. And I'm so much better on the page when I can do research and like cite things than I am like talking out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, even I have changed position on things that I've talked about on this show like months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like acknowledge that you're always working to be a better person. You're going to make mistakes. But as long as you're trying to be progressive and help people, um, you can't really get faulted for that to an extent.
2: Right. But what you're really hearing and then we can we don't have to talk this into the ground but what you're really seeing is this is the last gasp of white men mm-hmm. having their ultimate control yeah and if you think i want to go... agree
3: with you on that but uh-huh. i also worry because republicans conservatives uh procreate way more than liberals do yeah so <laughs> but what i'm i don't think you're... It, i don't think it's going to be like oh this generation just needs to die and the problem is no, going to go away i agree with you but I do think the numbers are
2: not on their side.
3: No, no, no. And Latinos are going to be what, the majority in about. That's what I'm saying. About Ten years.
2: Brown and black people and women are ne- we're never ever ever going back, and we're only going to continue to demand more equality and more power. And I think what you're seeing is true. Last ditch, blow up the world, panic. This is it. Our time is done.
3: Yeah, we have yeah, been yeah.
2: in control for. Ever since the beginning of the beginning, and it's slipping through their fingers, and they can't take it
1: no, I know it's it's uh i mean i do I do agree I mean that's was something I believed very strongly going into the election was that the hate online was so huge because mm-hmm. they knew that this was like their last hurrah and um you know i i feel i feel I felt very stupid when then when the re- election results came in, I thought it was impossible I felt very stupid You're and alone. um I think and, a lot of people felt yeah, that. Yeah, and and I just um I'm I've you know I I mean the media was even portraying of course it, like, it was impossible ninety three percent she was gonna win yeah yeah you know ninety two percent of residents in Washington D C voted for uh, Hillary right uh, um that's it's gonna be nuts I'm going to the Million Woman March. I'm a little bit afraid for my life. I'm not gonna lie. Don't be afraid. Wags and I are going to march. Don't be afraid. Um, but you're gonna be fine, and it's gonna feel really good. We're gonna do a please advise there too. I'm gonna bring some mobile podcasting equipment. Get the word. From the ladies on the street. But um, and also just, I don't know, this is an aside, but please donate to Planned Parenthood. Oh, I didn't give
2: any holiday gifts to like representatives or everything. I made a big fat donation to the ACLU. Mm-hmm. And I said, there you go. Planned Parenthood is fabulous. There's another one. And I'm upset. I don't know the exact name, but it's a organization that protects the freedom of press that, mm-hmm. that protects journalists. And I mean, as you see, those are going to start. Look, we're entering into a really dark time. My friend was just at the White House for their um, Hanukkah party. Mm-hmm. And. She said it felt like it was like the evil forces were coming in, like you could feel yeah. it coming. But here's the thing. Out of great pain comes great growth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're all pretty wide awake now. Yep. I do. Don't you feel wide awake in a way you weren't six months I ago? I do, I
1: do feel wide awake. And um it's it's hit me in so many different ways spending time in Texas. I mm-hmm. my uh, you know, I, I want you to not shame yourself. By the way, this is the, the cut to the collar. I want you to not shame yourself about having that realization of like, oh, thank God I'm white. Like, you, do, you're a, a human's natural reaction is to try and find the good in any situation. I tried and tried and tried, and I was like, maybe my property taxes will be, maybe I yeah. won't have to pay as many taxes. Like, you try, you yeah. really try. Um, but I've had, you know, I've had it hit me in a million different ways. My cab driver on the way to the airport back uh, home from Austin. Was like, I'm a lesbian and I'm a, I'm terrified I'm not going to yeah. be able to get married this year. She's like, we're putting all this money into our wedding. And she's like, I'm terrified. And I was like, I really I'm like, I, I said, I want to hope for you that that's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky we live in California. But something's in the air as well. Like this is not this is not going to stick. I do not see four years with Trump. I even I don't even see Mike Pence really being a qualified person. I don't. I think that I think that if Bill Clinton, who was you know for all intents and purposes an excellent president, mm-hmm. could be brought all the way through an impeachment trial with his with for w- for what it was for mm-hmm. the thing out of all of the scandals the Clintons have had in their history for what it was, um, we will see Donald Trump fuck up within the first six weeks. I give it six weeks until. Or something like that going he's on. Fucking Twitter or something. He's
2: not even. He's not even in office yet. No. Oh my god. Let's he's not even to talk to, did about you hear the he's cabinet. He's
1: going to continue to uh, uh, executive produce The yes. Apprentice as our president mm-hmm. because that's what you should be doing as a president. Yeah. And what the fuck with Kanye, dude? That was what so disappointing? I mean, was not that a bummer? You know what? Kanye has 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 a, has a lo- an illustrious history of disappointing us, but he's gone a long way from George Bush hates black people to yeah. taking a meeting with President so, Trump. You know that- I'm
3: going to trip it. I'm going to either attribute Kanye because that's how they Kanye,
1: pronounce it. <laughs> Kanye's. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Kanye's behavior to a being really famous and being totally out of touch with yeah. everything and also like whatever mental stuff right. that he's been he's dealing not with. well you know i saw his show at the forum whenever that was six
1: weeks ago yeah it was
2: the one where it was it was a perfect show he barely spoke there was no
1: rants tuesday
2: and it was I, it must i think i went the first night i went
1: tuesday and thursday and then thursday i went the he first left. night yeah
2: he didn't leave it was before all that it was the first night
1: mm-hmm.
2: he was it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, he reinvented the arena show. I was so, I was just, it was amazing. And like my friends and I who went, like we kept talking
3: about it days after. He's brilliant, like musically yeah. and putting on a show and artistically, yeah. he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the heck is going on. I know. Again, I hate speculating, but I know. yeah. Some and of
1: it, the most brilliant people I know produce the finest work and the shittiest work. Yes. It's true. It really is. it's like, true. Uh, I'll tell you my best example after we, we go to the next call. Let's go to our next call.
4: Okay. Hey, Molly. Um, first time caller, long-time listener. Um, my name is Nikki. So I'm speaking very quietly, but it actually has to do my problem. Um, I work for a creative tech company. It's a very small company. And um, we work in a co-working space, meaning um, there's a ton of different offices all in the same building. Um, and we all have the same kind of creative goal, I guess, but in different companies. Um, The only thing that separates each office is glass. Um, It's not very practical, but it does look pretty aesthetically cool. Um, The thing is, like I said, my team is very small. There's four of us in my company, and I have one coworker. She's around my age. She's such a nice girl, but she is incredibly fucking loud when she speaks. It is deafening, and I'm sure it disrupts um, other people in the co-working space, um, we've been, people have complained about it to me, complained about it to our boss, but nothing's really changed, um, and it's just really honestly very embarrassing, and I was wondering if you have any tips on how I can tell this girl to shut the fuck up when she talks, She's very loud, very unprofessional, but again, she's very, very nice, um, so yeah, if you have any tips on how to be polite and tell her to be quiet, um, that would be great. I love
1: you, love your podcast, and I hope that you please advice. Bye. Bye. Funny you should say that because my two best friends, Christina and Ed, sometimes do not realize that they are shouting when they are speaking.
3: In my defense, Molly, (laughs) you are very sensitive to sound. I am. And And I've only gotten the loud note. You're yelling right now. I've (laughs) only gotten the loud note from you.
1: I know. That's probably true. And also from Brooklyn. Um, that's fine. And like, by the way, look, don't be defensive. Like, uh, it's just just a little bit of feedback. Um, no, but I'm, I've literally just said to people, I'm sensitive to sound. And to me, you're speaking very loudly. Do you mind just bringing your voice down a little bit? I have said that to people and, and I don't, and, and you could put it on you. I don't give a fuck. You know what? I'll, I'll raise my hand and say, I'm a weirdo. My ears hurt. Can you yeah. shut up a little bit? Like, that's – it's it's not – it's not – it's I want to hear what you're saying. I just don't need to hear it that loud. It's the only – you
2: just hit the nail on the head. It's the only way you can get away with it. I have friends, a couple friends, and John won't go out to dinner with them anymore. Oh. Other people in the restaurant really glare at them. And, I mean, they're so loud that it makes – have you ever had that feeling where your eardrum
1: vibrates a little bit? Yep. Well, I misophonia. What is that? Um – an aversion to small – Kelly, I call it Kelly Rippa noise disease because she has it too. <laughs> what is it? Um, well, some people have it with like clicking of keyboards. Mine is skin ru- dry skin rubbing mm. on skin. It's nails like this. So like, you hear those very loudly. Like um, they'll just drive you crazy. Not only does it make me – not only does snapping well snapping is a childhood trigger because my mom used to snap at me when I was doing something bad and mm-hmm. so I'm always like what did I do <laughs> like uh, as, as from to reference the top I'm terrified of my mother um, <laughs> but I um, it, it not misophonia doesn't just mean it annoys you. Um, makes you irrationally angry got it and it and it's really it's tough because you don't want to be that weirdo mm-hmm. that's like oh my ears but I really do it it I like my friend Allie got bless. Allie Freeman. I'm just probably listening to this I'm about to call you out too girl she woke me up in Austin I don't know if she realizes <laughs> that she speaks at if I was trying to get the attention of someone across a baseball stadium <laughs> that's how I would Talk to them. That's her normal speaking voice. There's been many times where I'm like, you need to, babe, love you so much. You need to, I can hear you. I can hear you. Can this woman, the woman who called
2: in, first of all, I think it's a good idea to blame it on yourself. Can you just straight up lie and say, people have complained? And I just, I want to come to you I first. Think people have lie. complained. The people oh, have complained. and say, I'm protecting you here because I don't want them to go to you. It's gonna. They're going to start coming to you directly. You have to blame it on others. And then you can't blame it on yourself, but make it make it sound like I'm so oversensitive. But she, you've got to talk to her. I mean, you just have to talk to her. But it's hard because some people can't modulate it. Some people really don't know how. Maybe they grew up in a family where everybody was loud, you know, and that's just
1: it's a work decorum thing. You know, there are there are sort there are a, a series of difficult conversations that you have to have sometimes with people in a workplace. You and I have talked about the one of hygiene, which was that Oof. I had a former coworker that was approached. And told that she needed to start brushing her teeth and taking showers before work because, yep, uh, because her um, her body odor was oh. really pungent and distracting. Um, and her her breath, like, you could smell it across um, oh. across the room. I retched, too. I, I'm I, a retcher, and I couldn't hide that.
3: I worked in front of an older gentleman who had towels on the seat of his chair. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing because it's so awful. It was it's awkward. so sad. Did he poop? In his pants <laughs> he didn't poop, but I think like he had, um, you know, he was older, he was harder to con- like control oh, his bladder yes. issues. Oh, yeah. Um, so it was that, um, and it was also just like he wasn't washing his clothes enough. And didn't it, you say
1: one time he took off his sweatshirt and underneath he was wearing an. That was a different sweatshirt. Co- that
3: was a different coworker. <laughs> That was a different coworker <laughs> in the same office. Oh my god. Well, I not I, in the place that I work now. It was like I was somewhere else. On a flight to Atlanta, and the guy sitting next to me was like a younger guy. Hold on. That sweatshirt sure. guy also had an entire loaf of bread at his desk to like that he would just snack on routinely. God,
2: people are so strange.
3: <laughs> I sat next to somebody who had violent body odor. And I'm mm. and I said to him, that's
2: rude. And I said, I'm in a metal tube, thirty-five thousand feet up in the air. You're sitting three inches away from me. You got balls, and girl. you didn't take a shower.
4: Oh well, it
2: just didn't have time. And I said, it's rude. I feel.
3: I really said, you smell
2: terrible. It's really hard. How was he older? No, and I probably wouldn't have had the nerve to say. It to I was just going to say
1: he must have been <laughs> like twenty, and like he was young. Over. He was yeah. young and
2: looked like a college student. But I, and I felt more like I was teaching him something. Like, dude, it's not fair. Yeah,
1: it's not. It's not not fair. I I
2: feel like that about people
3: who take their feet off in the the shoes off in the plane. I can't believe people do that. Can you believe? But I will say I'm
2: disgusted. But I will say put your shoes on. I will say this is not your living room. People do to the movies, too, because that's disgusting. Yeah. Like your parents didn't teach you properly. That's disgusting. Anyway, I agree. I think you blame it on yourself. And then say to her, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of people are complaining and they've asked me to say something to you. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't get better, I don't know what to tell you because it might just be who she is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean- What do you do
2: if she doesn't get better? What if? What do you, What happens? She's got to
1: leave? I mean, is, is this person- I mean, I would get yourself some earplugs. Yeah. And if she asks and just say, it's too loud in here for me, babe- <laughs> Like, you know, there are ways to say like, you know what, always, I always feel like if you put it on yourself, that's great. I also think that like, it is, it's, it's what everything you just said is so socially responsible. I want to ask you about a scenario I was in. Mm -hmm. I was at a a dine-in movie theater here in Glendale that must be mafia run because no one's ever there. I don't (laughs) know how, I don't know how it's open. The tickets are $20 a piece and I am always like, I've seen Big blockbuster movies, first night out, and I'm the only person <laughs> in the theater. But I did go to – I went to see uh, Fantastic uh, – no, uh, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And I it was like opening weekend. And in front of me, there was about 15, 15 to 17-year-old Ugh, boys. Anything worse. And okay. they Whoa. were, you know – completely, completely harassing the waiter. Mm. I have never seen someone – I've just never seen people treat a wait person so rudely in my life. I, I I want to jump out of my skin even hearing that. Mm-hmm. And I mean like I'm talking like I think, you know, like they called them the F slur, mm. like lots of stuff like that, right? And I really, really wanted to say to them like I'm just like I'm going to step in. I'm an older person. So I understand that you guys are young and mm-hmm. you don't know how awful that is, but like the way that you're treating this person is degrading and it's wrong and it's not okay to talk like that and it makes you look like a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm uncomfortable sitting here watching it, so I have to say something to you. Yeah, but I am terrified of teenage boys. Yeah, they're disgusting, and so I couldn't bring myself to say anything, and I'm I'm regretful of it because I felt like there was. Enough- Were you alone? I was alone.
2: Okay. Well, that's harder too when you're alone.
1: Yeah, but I really felt like I needed to, to say something to them. And I would 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 you have done something? Yes, yeah. 100.
3: Come on, Leslie and I are like kindred spirits because we yell at people who don't return their shopping shopping cards. Yeah. it's disgusting. <laughs> it's awful. You know what? That guy's just trying to make a lo- a living. He's. You know what's funny? You just
1: want to sling popcorn.
3: I was driving
2: the other day with my daughter, and there was an Uber, and there was four teenage boys in the Uber, and there was a woman next to them who was in a convertible. And they opened a water bottle and started chucking the water into the woman's car. The driver, who's an older dude, freaks out. I see him turn, and he's yelling at the boys, like, stop it. Don't do that. And he looks at the woman and he says, I'm so sorry. And she was like, okay. Then one minute later, they chucked the bottle into her car, and the guy pulled over and kicked them all out of his Uber. And it was great because my daughter watched the whole thing happen. Yes, this is the same daughter that told me that she's hated me since the day she was <sighs> born. But it really affected her. And then we had a discussion about how horrible that was to do to that man. He's just trying to earn a living. And I said, I'm sure he has a wife. I'm sure he has kids. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to make money. I was like, do you think he loves driving around an Uber and having teenage boys in his car? No. I'm sure it's a nightmare. Yeah. And so it was a great conversation about like you don't mess with people. But look. I understand feeling uncomfortable when it's just you and it's a gaggle of teen boys, mm-hmm. but I do – and no, they're going to laugh at you. And I'm not a superwoman. But
1: okay. they're going to say <laughs> terrible things about you. Oh, no. I knew like, I was going to be called like a fat cunt. Like I knew right, that was exactly. coming next. next. But that I'm a big next. fan
2: of saying, you're a garbage person. Stop doing that because you know why? They remember it. Yeah. They'll never forget it. And they're going to be alone one day, 25 years old, and some 17-year-old boy is going to do something shitty to them and they're going to go, fuck, I can't.
1: Do you know what I mean? That
2: woman says, You know what I should have
1: done? I should have gone downstairs and had them kicked out. Well, that would have been if you and I understand
2: not wanting to confront them directly. I think it's a good idea to go to the management and say, they're harassing the waiter that's working and he's working his ass off and they're being awful.
1: Yeah. So do something. He was working his ass off.
2: Yeah. Also I was gonna say, Molly,
3: lean into an accent a little bit. Lean into the Boston. You'd be (laughs) surprised how fearful people become of an East Coast accent. Listen, pals.
1: Yeah, it's just that hive mentality with teenagers, do. I, I confronted
3: a group of, like, 20-year-old girls. Oh, they might, might be do worse. Do.
1: <laughs> so I was at the Sound of Music
3: at the um, Hollywood Bowl yeah. okay. two years ago. The sing-along. Yes. These girls got, like, shit-faced, oh. as a lot of people do. At um, the Sound of Music? To to the point where one girl was vomiting. Nope. vomiting into a Ziploc bag. Oh, my God. She brought her own vomit bag. (laughs) No, they had eaten like picnic stuff out of it. And then she was vomiting into the Ziploc bag. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough,
1: the day after I puked 19, after I had 19 (laughs) drinks, we went to go swim with the dolphins and I puked in the van the entire (laughs) way to go swim with the dolphins. I was sitting next to an elderly man named Mr. Thurston who went by himself and a teenage girl. 13 i'll never forget mr thurston he's probably dead i feel so awful um but i puked into a ziploc bag for about two hours on the drive out to go swim with the dolphins i apologize i'm sorry keep going
3: <laughs> no 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 and then i was uh so they were getting ready to leave because the friend was obviously just right. could comp- couldn't even stand on her own uh-huh. um and as they were leaving a wine bottle rolled out of one of their um bags and broke it shattered and um like it was towards the end of the movie. It was where Maria was getting married to Captain right. Mantrap, <laughs> um, and this was I'm the aware. First, yes. By the way, this was the first time I've ever seen The Sound of Music. Oh, was So, it, like, I must this have is done pr-
2: something right. Was it were they singing that part, or was <laughs> it when there was actual marriage and then they have to go flee the Nazis?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay, that. Yeah. So it shatters, and like, I guess kids are falling asleep because you know it's towards the end yeah. of the movie. So there are families who are starting to leave with little kids, and I'm like, watch out, there's glass. And I can see that they're trying to leave without picking it up. So I got up. I picked up the shard of like half of a wine bottle. And I was like, this is yours. And she's like, no, it's not. I said, this is yours. There are kids here. You put it <laughs> I was like, you better take this with you. <laughs> <laughs> you got you yeah. got Brooklyn. I was like super I was like, this is yours. This is your responsibility. There are kids here. Yeah. Like, one You're of right? One of, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna call security if you don't bring this back. And it. she was like so afraid. <laughs> I love that it that she like she was like okay okay and she good. like tucked this shard in her purse and then they dragged their friend back to like home it was it was well I life. think what that what's happened is we've opened up a larger discussion
2: about when people <laughs> are garbage people yeah. mm-hmm. and I I don't know if this coworker is a garbage person yeah or has I don't an,
3: know if she's doing it intentionally and she doesn't know like but you'll know that control. after
2: you tell her people have talked to me and I can't handle it then you'll know if she's a garbage person or not. But you got to say something. And it's uncomfortable, but you got to dig deep because you know what's going to happen? You're going to bottle it up, and one day, six months from now, you are going to basically throttle her. You're going to put your hands around her neck and squeeze <laughs> or, the life out of her. alternatively,
3: the next person who
1: comes to you with it, you can say to them, like, say something to her. Why yeah. are you putting this on my line? And you know you're not going to be the first person who has yes. ever said this to her. She has gotten this note before. Yeah, And I'm very plain with that now. I just say you're screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and he stops. And he and he adjusts. He's like, oh God, thank you for telling me he gets mortified. He's yeah. like, we're in a restaurant. Right. You know? Um, so anyway, you guys, uh, do we have any more calls? We have a letter. Okay, let's one let's do a letter and let's get Ms. Leslie Grossman out of here because we've been talking forever. We have a letter and Christina is gonna read it. Okay, it says, Hi Molly, Christina
3: and guest. Hope y'all are doing well. Molly, I reached out to you on Snapchat regarding my recent wedding mishap and you said I should call it. I'm hoping a letter will work as I'm not the best speaker. For background info, I'm 28, a female, living in Houston, Texas, and a first year high school art teacher. My husband and I got married on November 25th and I planned the entire thing. This was tough not only because I have to work really hard to stay organized, but I had just started my teaching job and we were in the process of moving to a new house. Those stressors were surprisingly manageable, but planning the wedding was really hard on me. I'm an introvert who enjoys social outings, but this was a lot of pressure. Apart from worrying about everyone else having a good time, I feared that I would be anxious on that day and unable to be present. This, quote, anxiety about feeling anxious, end quote, is something I've had my entire life. And as ridiculous as it sounds, I often avoid things for this reason. My partner and I weren't originally going to have a traditional wedding, but I wanted to give my family the joy of experiencing one and thought it might be worth it. I was pretty stable until, up until the day before. I just started to get overwhelmed with last-minute details and had a pretty gnarly panic attack. Despite that, I powered through the dinner, hosted by my in-laws, and tried my best to stay positive. On the wedding day, some of my nerves carried over. I had a nagging feeling that I wish I could have had more time to calm down, but I accepted it. Everyone was sweet and supportive, But the day flew by and I began to feel feel out of control. After some post-ceremony photos, the photographer suggested that I take off my shoes because I felt nauseous, and then I was fed a drink. At that point, I mingled with as many people as possible and probably had a good time dancing for about two songs. I had approximately three drinks total with a pretty substantial meal. We rushed over for a cake cutting, and that's when my memory went blank. Apparently, at one point, I told my matron of honor I felt sick. All I remember is puking with close friends and family coming in and out of the bathroom. My worried younger sister told someone I had Xanax earlier in the day, which was true, about 0.5 milligrams, but I also had digestive problems on the days leading up to the wedding and I felt that stress was more the culprit. Anyway, it's been a week over the wedding day and I still have a sickening feeling of embarrassment and shame. Teaching has been a good distraction, but distractions can only go so far. How can I make peace with this humiliating memory? When I took the photos, I'm reminded of all the beauty I wasn't able to enjoy and all of the Motown I wasn't able to dance to. It sounds silly, but one way of making peace with this is that I'm considering it is a sacrifice I made for my grandmothers, who enjoyed every minute and don't know about how I got sick. There were some beautiful moments throughout the night, and I feel extremely lucky I just need to find a way to focus on the big picture. I'm open to anything. Please advise. Best, Katie.
1: Well, I don't know anyone who has really great, great, great feelings about the entire day that was their wedding.
2: I do. You do. I'm so uh-huh. sorry about that. And I only have one regret. My grandmother forced me to wear Ferragamo shoes. Oh. She said, all brides wear Ferragamo and they were so painfully uncomfortable. I couldn't feel my second toe on each foot for six weeks after my wedding. Yeah. Fair besides that. take months they to do. wear in. Yeah. But besides that, it was great. But sorry. Go on.
1: What I was going to – I guess, like, look, I, I just feel that I – first of all, I'm with you on the wedding thing. I think that if I did have a wedding, it would only be because – first of all, I don't even want to get married anymore. That's like, I, I'm done. I have, Why do I want someone shit around my house <laughs> And why would I want to two years later? Molly's (laughs) happily. I mean, no, like, honestly, like I'm open to the idea that with the right person, but I had this thirst my whole life to like find a man and I don't care now. Um, but, uh, I just, I, I, I want, I think that you did the wedding for the only reasons why I would do a wedding. I completely think that something like this would happen to me for the exact same reasons. Um, organization is, is not, a skill of mine. Um, the work that goes into a wedding is crazy. I've had so many friends tell me I'm the worst bride ever. I'm the worst bride ever is a sentence I have heard so many times from people because they don't think they're doing it right. Um,
3: it's kind of the same idea of like moms. Like you're not the perfect mother and you feel mm-hmm. that guilt. It's like, oh, I'm not the perfect bride and you feel that kind of guilt.
1: Right. Um, I, I I think that, you know, look, who gives a shit, right? It's like, it's like I had a party freshman year of college and I, um, I took like 13 jello shots and I puked off the roof of my house and I couldn't even go to the football game. So sometimes things happen. I don't think that, you know, I think it was a little bit fucked up of your sister to disclose to whomever that you had taken a Xanax. I think all brides take a Xanax for the most part, every bride I know anyway. Um, I just had Jackie Johnson here yesterday and she told me if she could do it all again, as much as the wedding was amazing, the best day of her life. um, If she could do it all over again, she would have eloped. Um, The pressure of a wedding is like not it's it's not bad to feel that way. I don't I don't think you should be embarrassed about throwing up. I think that so many people get to the honeymoon suite and they don't fuck because they're wasted. I just like I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not. I think I feel like you need to totally forgive yourself because you got out of this what you needed which was for your family to have a beautiful day for you and your husband to be officially married and it was a party you know it's a party
3: i will say so i have a cousin whose wedding she almost fainted before her vows mm. because she had been so I've, sick i've
2: been there when a bride fainted during. yeah the vows.
3: she oh. she was so sick now she's divorced so this might be a larger <laughs> thing but she was so sick that before leading up like the night before leading up to the wedding, she had been vomiting all night, mm-hmm. um, which might have been a larger indication of something else. But I as a spectator of it all, I will say it was I thought it was just nerves and I never really gave it a second thought or judged her for it. Yeah. Um, and as long as everybody else like it seems like a really small circle of people knew what was going on with you. Everyone else was kind of just having the time of their lives.
1: Yeah. And so
3: weddings are really, they're not for you. They're for everyone else to kind
1: of celebrate you in a sense. Can I ask you, does your husband give a shit? Because I don't think he probably does. I mean, no. No. You know, he probably, Yeah. you know. I have three points here. Okay.
2: One, you got to forgive yourself and be kind to yourself. Number two, make it funny. And three, no one cares. Yeah. So here's yeah. why you have to be kind to yourself. First of all, someone told me, well, my wedding planner told me, it's six hours.
1: Mm.
2: It's a party. You need to be worried about sixty years after. Yes. And I thought that was the best advice ever. She was like, put it in perspective. It's a one night. It's a party. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. And I was like, okay, that helped. You have to be kind to yourself. You you had a tough time, and you also need to learn a lesson. Don't do things you don't want to do for other people. Yes. Don't don't please other people by putting yourself in a position that's uncomfortable for yourself. If they're disappointed. That's okay.
3: But they I also understand her, like oh, of course I, I got I, do. I have to conquer my anxiety. I get it. Problems, but it's a you know? lesson
2: for the rest yeah. of your life. But be kind to yourself. It's okay. You got sick, it sucks. Number two, make it funny. Look back on that story, and you gotta find the hilarious, ridiculous humor in it. Mm-hmm. And also, when I say no one cares, I don't mean people don't love you and people aren't interested in your happiness and your marriage. But like I had a friend that didn't want to get divorced because she was so embarrassed what people are going to say. Here's what happens when people find out someone's getting divorced. Oh, shit. Really? I'm hungry. What am I going to eat for dinner? No <laughs> yeah. one cares about your life. I'm it's sorry. like in
3: the 60s where it was just no. like, oh, she's going to be single now. And if they do,
2: they're horrible. So anyway, what are you going to say, Amos?
1: Uh, The only thing I was going to say is that like I'm big on not doing things because like look, I agree with you, Christina. It's important to push yourself to outside of your comfort zone if you've always secretly wanted to do a triathlon, okay? Yeah, no, but I'm saying when that it, she
3: was like, she but, was trying to, I think that's what she was trying but, to do.
1: But but, but but the thing is, is the difference between that and this is that you're doing it for other people, not you. And if it's something for you, I think it's great to push yourself. And I think it's great mm-hmm. if you even have a spouse that pushes, them, pushes you toward reaching your goals that you wouldn't do by yourself. At the same time, I think that it is um, anything that you feel a sense of dread about, you shouldn't do. I just don't think you should put yourself in that position. There's your intuition is telling you that this is not the situation for you. So moving forward, like just don't, you know, if you feel like you have to have a New Year's Eve party this year and, and the idea of it makes you want to puke, don't do it. You're okay. You don't need to you don't need to be anything you're not because when you are doing that, when you do stuff like that, things that are very out of character happen like this, you know? So and but also yeah
2: go every, easy on yourself just say treat yourself the way you would treat your friend who had that same experience you would never judge her you would only feel empathy sympathy and say oh my god it's fine no one cares
3: oh and by the way anyone who brings it up kind of just like jokingly like oh remember you were puking in the whole time at your wedding mm-hmm. they're a piece of shit yeah go so pay attention to that. <laughs> i agree like i hate people who are like Referencing your like hor- internal yeah. horror, internal so horror. Yeah, it's
1: like, <laughs> remember when you totally like did that? Unless <laughs> so. you're laughing about it, don't let other you know what I mean. Yeah, like just yeah. don't acknowledge it. And um, yeah. Uh, just you're, Google wedding nightmares like literally <laughs> look at how bad other people shit it there's literally brides that have probably gotten their period all over their wedding dress yes. as they're walking down the aisle there's probably a groom who has shit his white tuxedo yes who had like, diarrhea yeah there's pro- I mean like a, the the embarrassment in life the embarrassments you could potentially face are so much greater than you honestly having a, a crazy amount of nerves yeah and throwing up privately
3: mm-hmm. My one of my favorite videos ever is like an entire wedding party are taking pictures on a dock yes. and the dock <laughs> collapses. I know what you're talking oh, about. There are yes. several videos like don't do it on a dock. Yeah, just like The dock completely collapses. What do you, How do you
1: think they proceeded from there?
3: <laughs> huh? They probably had a good laugh about yeah, it. I, I hope. It, like, it makes it interesting.
1: You will laugh about it someday just like Leslie will laugh about um, <laughs> I've hated you since the day I was born.
2: Oh, just remember it was one night. Focus on the rest of your marriage. That's what's important and what matters.
1: YOLO. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Please Advise Episode 117. Leslie, where can people find you on the internet?
2: They can follow me, and please don't send me um, horrible anti-Semitic comments, mm-hmm. on Twitter at Miss Leslie G. And you can follow me on Instagram at Leslie Grossman. And those are my places. I don't Are you going to be on TV soon? Yes. I'm on an episode of the show Love that's going to be on Netflix the next awesome. season. I'm on, I play... A young Kristen Bell's mother on the show The Good Place that's airing sometime soon when they told me they were like you're gonna play be Kristen Bell's mother and I was like what and they were like no no it's an actress playing a young version of Kristen uh-huh. Bell and I was like oh thank god because I didn't know uh-huh. I was that old and then um I have an episode of Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce where I play a rabbi oh <laughs> uh, uh, do you, so do you watch Transparent you know I'm afraid to admit this out loud on a podcast no and i know that i have to watch it and everybody, it's everybody's favorite show yeah i know
3: Oh, katherine Hahn plays a rabbi in it.
2: well there you go are there female rabbis yes
3: oh, I and know. i'm supposed to
2: play like a hip cool rabbi i hope oh. I, I hope that comes across you're a cool rabbi their
3: religion plays a huge role in this show
2: i gotta watch it anyway so you can you can look out for those performances coming to your television soon. i'm so excited
1: you did love that's so cool yeah it was really fun and I, that's very flattering that t- Kristen Bell is like the prettiest girl ever. They're, they're well, that's like- so nice. I play
2: uh, really the most garbage mother that's ever existed. Oh. And my hair and makeup is really incredible. So tune in just for that. Just Ooh, know that I, I was love- sucking my stomach in the time. You're probably
1: time. an amazing train wreck mom. I it can't was wait good. To see it that. was fun. All right. Thank you, guys. you Molly. Thank you. Thank Bye. You,